Welcome one and all to the official Semester at Sea Wavelengths podcast. This is episode four, and I am your host, Patrick Fennell, member of the Young Alumni Council and Spring 2014 alum. Every episode of the podcast, we hear interviews, stories, and other audible creations from students, alumni, and staff. But first, here's an introduction to what Semester at Sea is exactly. Semester at Sea is a biannual study abroad program taking place during the fall and spring semesters where students get the opportunity to study abroad on a ship and where the world becomes your classroom. Semester at Sea is hosted by ISE, the Institute for Shipboard Education, a nonprofit based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Semester at Sea is made possible with support of listeners like you. Whether students, alumni, or neither, visit semesteratsea.org to get involved and find out more. You can also find Semester at Sea on any of your favorite social media platforms. Applications are currently open and accepted on a rolling basis. Donations are welcome and serve students the opportunity at experiences like you hear on this show. In today's first segment, we will be hearing an interview conducted by Cindy Zomachek with Sky Fitzgerald, two-time Oscar Academy Award-nominated documentary filmmaker. But I'll leave the rest of the introductions up to them. Away we go. I'm Cindy Zomchek, and I've sailed on eight voyages between fall 1986 and spring 2015, and I also worked for the Home Office from 2007 to 2012. I'm the current Vice President of the Semester at Sea Alumni Association and have been a volunteer with Semester at Sea since probably the early 80s. This evening, I have the distinct, amazing pleasure of speaking with Sky Fitzgerald, who I sailed with on the fall 2008 Semester at Sea voyage. Whoop, whoop! Sky Fitzgerald is currently directing a trilogy of films on the global refugee crisis. The first, 50 Feet from Syria, focused on doctors working on the Syrian border and was voted into the Oscar shortlist. The second, Lifeboat, documents search and rescue operations off the coast of Libya and was nominated for an Academy Award and National Emmy Award. The third, Hunger Ward, has also been nominated for an Academy Award. As a Fulbright Research Scholar, Fitzgerald directed the film Bomb Hunters and has worked with the Sundance Institute, the U.S. Institute of Peace, the State Department, the Paul Robeson Fund, and Mountain Film. As a director of photography, Fitzgerald lends his work for major clients, including Dateline, Vice, Mercy Corps, CNN, The Discovery, Travel, History, and Animal Planet channels. Fitzgerald was recently inducted as an honorary member into SAMS, the Syrian American Medical Society for his work with Syrian refugees. And he was named a distinguished alumnus at his alma mater, Eastern Oregon University for his documentary work. Fitzgerald is a proud new member of the documentary branch of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Sky, thank you for joining us again on the Wavelengths Alumni Series for a second time. Last June, Melissa Holland Mansica spoke with you about your film, Lifeboat. Since then, you've completed the third film in your trilogy, Hunger Ward, and it's been nominated for an Academy Award. Congratulations. Can you tell us a few minutes about the making of the film and describe what the film is about? 
Yeah. Um, before I do that, I have to say that you you left out probably one of my most important affiliations, which is semester at sea. Um, woo! Woo! In addition to to you know sailing with you um, in two thousand eight. I also did uh, three additional voyages or partial voyages in 98, 99, and 2009. So it's been a huge part of my um, work life um, and life experience that has really influenced what I've done in, in important ways. So I just wanted to like put that out there from the outset. Um, yeah, and for our listeners, do you wanna tell us um, what roles you had on those voyages? Yeah, so the the first the the first one in two, in 1998, I was straight out of grad school, and it was frankly one of my first freelancer jobs as a videographer. So it was sort of where I cut my teeth learning to film. I was doing the um, what did they call them? The voyage videos, mm-hmm. called mm-hmm. voyage videos at that. Yeah. So I was the videographer for both uh, fall 98 and fall 99, mm-hmm. and you know it really helped me hone my my skills, uh, especially yeah. my camera skills filming all over the world on those two voyages. And then in 2008, um, what was my role? I was a spouse on 2008, I think. Um, And then 2009, I was on a partial voyage, um, uh, teaching a document, co-teaching a documentary class. Wow, so faculty and staff. Well, it was a pleasure sailing with you and I'm really excited to hear more about how that kind of helped inform the work that you're doing today. Yeah, yeah, it, um, you know, I think, I think um, being on the semester at sea voyages, so many of them, um, not enough, but so many of them, um, Mm -hmm. was really catalytic for me. It was, Mm -hmm. it was, uh, you know, it helped me not only understand um, how much that I didn't know, but it, it was, it was really a generator of empathy for me. Um, mm-hmm. in a really fundamental way. Um, and I think that's found its way into much of my work um, as my career has progressed. The third film of this trilogy that you noted, Hunger Ward, um, is, is, I think, exemplifies that um, foundational sort of um, uh, principle of empathy, which underlies the entire trilogy. It's a film that we shot entirely in Yemen, um, in two in January and February of last year, um, immediately before sort of the pandemic shutdown world yeah. travel, and so it, and it focuses on the the effects of the conflict in Yemen, specifically on civilians, mm-hmm. and even more specifically on um, on children and, and children who are um, on the cusp of starvation because of the current blockade that's over the country. There's a, there's a Saudi coalition blockade that's preventing foodstuffs and diesel um, and medical supplies from entering and exiting the country, which is, um, which is, uh, which is a driver of starvation in the country right now. So we, we focus on a clinic in the north of the country, in the, the rebel-held area, as well as uh, the primary TFC or um, therapeutic feeding center that um, assists most of the families who are facing starvation in the South. No, I, I guess when you're talking about cultivating empathy, I know that that was an important part of Lifeboat as well. Tell us more about how you hope to do that through your films. Why is it important? Well, what's that quote? Um, 
Moshin Hamid, I think is who, who he spoke to, to empathy once saying that it was um, empathy is I think seeing or finding echoes of another person in yourself. I think that's mm. that's a paraphrase. That's beautiful. But mm. but it's something that that I th I think about um, because I think it's true. And, and you know, there um, what I'm always seeking as a filmmaker is um, is the universal mm -hmm. through the individual. Um, and and so, you know, what we focused on in these films were really universal human experiences. You know, the the grief of a mother losing a child is universal. Mm -hmm. And I think the outrage that accompanies that, the fact that a child can die of starvation today, yeah. that outrage should be universal as well. And so um, by, by sort of building an empathy machine through this film, we're really hoping to engage the, the largest you know, civil society demographic we can to alter the geopolitics politics on the conflict, frankly. So we've mm -hmm. been working very closely with um, over 200 civil society groups um, trying to intervene in Biden's current policy on, mm -hmm. on Yemen um, to alter the geopolitics so the blockade can be lifted with some success. And, and while we can't take credit for it, we're a part of that movement. And mm -hmm. we've been using the film as a, as a vehicle to generate discussion with policymakers and other experts um, to apply pressure. So if somebody who's watching this wants to watch Hunger Ward or is interested in getting involved and active in some of those pursuits, would you recommend they go to your website? Yeah, we have every, all the information about where, where they can find it and how they can engage, uh, including legislators and senators in the Biden administration, as well as how people can donate to the two clinics that we show in the film directly on our web, website, which is hungerward.org. Um, and then um, in terms of watching the film, and we're launching on Paramount Plus on April 2nd, mm -hmm. um, which is great because that's a new, you know, CBS's large streaming service. And we're already on Pluto TV. So anyone in North America basically can watch it now. Um, and, and we're sort of trying to push it out in a larger sense there as well. Oh, that's great. And I know that um, in preparing for the Oscars, you know, getting the word out about your film is really important. So what can we all do as your semester at sea yeah. um, fans um, to be able to help support and promote your film? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, get the word out is the yeah. short answer, right? Yeah. You know, um, anyone in the industry, hopefully they'll watch the film and then pass the word to colleagues because, um, you know, a peer to peer uh, referrals are, are really important. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, the, it's just really, you know, because uh, it's a documentary short, which is one of the mm -hmm. smallest categories in the Oscars, it's really important just to get people to watch them, um, to, to watch the doc shorts and then vote on them. So any member of the Academy can vote on, on the doc shorts category. So it's really mm -hmm. a matter of just push it out on social media. If mm -hmm. anyone knows anyone in the industry, please bring it to their attention, um, send them to our mm -hmm. website. It's, it's up as a nominated film. So if they're a member of the Academy, they can vote. Great, and I know we have uh, a lot of aspiring filmmakers out there and actual you know, filmmakers that are doing amazing work um, that are our alumni or friends or family of our alumni. So I just wondered for some of those that are aspiring, what are you know, some of the pieces of advice that you might have for them? 
<laughs> they're, you know, an aspiring filmmaker yeah. in today's, you know, fast paced world. Yeah. Boy, um, you know, I, I think one of the most important things that, that has helped me over the years, and I'm not sure it's relevant for everyone, depending on what part of the industry people want to be in, but I'm a big fan of um, proactivity um, and and basically staying really focused on, on what you're trying to accomplish and not waiting for permission to do it. Mm-hmm. So for example, for me in the doc world, you know, backing up a little bit, I started in the nonfiction world actually and did a couple nonfiction, uh, excuse me, the fiction world and did feature films, a couple of feature films very early on and then became disillusioned by how little control I had right? Because I was yeah. a field producer on one and I started as a production assistant on another and then worked my way up to second unit director. And, you know, it's, it's an, it's a tough industry. Um, mm-hmm. And you put a lot of blood and sweat and tears into these projects. And at the end of both of those projects, I looked at them as a creative and um, I wasn't enamored of what was going out into the world. And that really made me sort of do a, a deep dive on, you know, do I want to be in an industry where I, I'm generating content that I'm not proud of? Mm-hmm. Um, and the answer was a clear, unadulterated no. And so I pivoted um, pretty directly after that into documentaries because I felt working smaller scale where I could have creative control over the product, you know, uh, if you want to call it that, what I put out into the world was better for me because mm-hmm. if I if I had control over the story I was putting out, um, I knew I could do something that that I that I would be proud of leaving behind. Um, mm-hmm. And and when you can do that, I think you engage more fully as a human being and on a deeper level. So um, I don't wait for for budgets. I don't wait for someone to give me the green light. I don't wait for someone to say that's a good idea or a bad idea. Um, I make the decision that it's something I care about deeply, and then I just begin to do it. And in every instance where I've done that, even if there's not a budget, um, I've always come out in the black on the end. So, so the first two films of this trilogy, for example, I did on a credit card. I just, you know, took that risk, not knowing what the outcome would be. But of course, in the end, um, both got picked up by distributors and both were in the black in the end. So I, I lost not a penny on either of them, even though I, I took a flyer on the front end, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Any other advice for semester at C alums that might be interested in the industry at all? Um, yeah, I, I, I think um, as a semester at C alum, you know, you have a very particular view and understanding of the world that people who mm-hmm. haven't traveled widely don't necessarily have. And, and there's real value there. Um, so I think one thing is le- lean into that in the sense that, that um, you know, you can tell stories that aren't simply from, a, from you know, where you come from, a Western perspective or, you know, wherever, um, uh, you know, you're based because hopefully you have a greater level of empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, the second piece of it would be, I guess, I think it's all about being very, very focused on exactly what you wanna do and specializing. So, um, you know, if, if, if you go in trying to be a generalist, 
I think it's a very difficult way to build a career. So, so what I always advise folks to do is pick one role within the industry that you're, you're really interested in. And, and maybe mm-hmm. it's camera work, maybe it's sound work, maybe it's sound mixing, maybe it's art design, whatever it is, pick that one thing that you think you have maybe are drawn more to or have a gift in and really hone in and build your craftsmanship and mm-hmm. your, your workmanship within that because then you can make a living. Yeah. Right. As soon as you become known as having a high level of craftsmanship within that sliver of the industry, then you can make a living. Um, and then you have more agency as you move through your career on moving in laterally into other pieces. So for me, um, I made the decision that my, my greatest interest, given that cinema is visually driven, was camera work. Or, or So I became a director of photography and I've been a working director of photography for a long time. But. I always knew I wanted to direct as well. So I, you know, I started directing. I made my living as a director of photography, but I also started directing at the same time. I couldn't have done that unless I was making a living as a director mm-hmm. of photography. So I think that focusing on the craft piece of it uh, is really critical, at least in the film industry. Oh, well, that's uh, a lot of great words of wisdom for our watchers. And I wanted to also just pivot a little bit to letting people peek behind the curtain to what the Oscar experience might be like. Since you had an opportunity to go last year and um, most of us um, won't ever attend an Oscar awards ceremony or um, certainly now with this coming year, have it be something that ends up being maybe in person or virtual, I'm not even sure what it might be. So maybe just telling us a little bit about last year's experience and how they're prepping you for this year's experience. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite fascinating. Um, so actually we went two years ago in 2019. Oh, yes. So it, it was two years ago. And then this year for, for 2021, um, it is going to be very different. And, and I have to fully accredit, you know, credit the Academy that they're doing everything they can to make this um, an in-person ceremony. Um, despite the very difficult circumstances with, wow. um, but they are going to do it. And so that's great. So, um, so it's very limited in scope in terms of in-person attendance, but it is live and all the nominees are, are going to be there. So usually um, leading up to the Academy Awards, there's a whole slew of events that takes place for nominees and, and film teams that, um, especially in the week leading up to the Oscars, they, they call it Oscars week, frankly. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a very special time. And you know, there's something called the nominees luncheon uh, where all the nominees plus one can go and every single no- nominee from every category, A-listers as well, is there in a single room. And you have lunch together and you take a big photograph together. And it's this wonderful chance to, you know, <laughs> to talk to anyone in the room. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's quite amazing. Um, and it, I, I mean, when I did it two years ago, I was standing on one side of the room and Sam Elliott walked in, right? Because he was nominated and he was just standing there by himself. <laughs> so I, I walked up to him, right? You know, and just said, hi, we had this great conversation, you know, because he was a nominee as well. I mean, and so you have opportunities like that, that are really special that, that you hold on to. This year's different because um, all those events are not going to happen, at least prior to the ceremony. Uh, I think there's the hope that 
Um, one or two of those events may happen post Academy Awards in the fall, perhaps mm -hmm. once it's safer to do so. But for the ceremony itself, it's basically any nominee plus one. Uh, can actually attend the ceremony in person. So it's really a single day event rather than a week long event this year. Mm -hmm. oh, well, I'm glad that you get to go in person and I'm sure we could do a whole session just on what your experiences have been like, that that would be really fun and, and entertaining. But I do wanna focus on, on Hunger Ward and you know, thank you for taking this time to share information about it. And I just wondered if you would highlight your website and when it will be streaming on Paramount and Pluto so that people can get to it and help promote it. Yeah, so it, it is on Pluto. So you can go to our Instagram account, which is spin, spin underscore film. Um, okay. And right there in the top uh, URL space, it lists the, the, the direct link to the Pluto uh, streaming site. But it is launching on Paramount Plus um, tomorrow. I don't know when this is going out, but April 2nd. Um, uh, it launches on Paramount Plus. So if you Wonderful. subscribe to that service, that's a that's a, a much larger streaming platform that you'll be able to watch it on. Oh, that's great! And go, could you tell us your site again? Your website? Yeah, uh, the the web the website for the film where all of these things are sort of like gathered um, is hungerward.org. Uh, so hungerward.org. And then we update that on a regular basis with all our screenings, our Q and A's that we do. We're doing a, 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 a sort of a discussion with Nick Kristoff about the film uh, next Tuesday in tandem with all of the World Affairs Council groups throughout the US. So it's gonna be a, a really wonderful conversation. And, and Nick has been to the same hospital where we filmed in the South. So I think it's gonna be a really wonderful discussion from a policy standpoint with, with someone who knows quite a bit about the conflict. So all the information for all the events is, is at our website. Oh, well, you know, I think that it's really, really important work. The thought of helping cultivate empathy, um, there is not a more important time in our world to be able to do that. So, you know, it's just always a pleasure to spend time with you and um, your work and your passion is truly inspiring. And yes, thank you for taking time out of what is a very, very busy schedule, especially right now to share your story and educate us this evening. Really happy to be here. I am. I am such. I, I want to use the word fan of Semester C, but that's that's not right because I'm 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 not necessarily a fan. I just feel like it's it's part of who I am, mm -hmm. and because it's part of who I am and the work I do, I'm I'm happy to engage uh, anytime with the mm -hmm. Semester C alumni. Well, thank you. And, and it's part of who I am as well. And all of you that are out there viewing this, please encourage people to watch our Wavelength series and to um, watch Hunger Ward and Sky's other documentaries. They're really um, beautiful and impactful. Um, I can speak from experience that they have helped cultivate even more empathy in myself and those that I have um, kind of turned on to his work. So thank you so much for spending this time. And those of you that are viewers, thank you for viewing. And as you consider giving back to causes that you care about, just want to remind you that Semester at Sea is a 501c3 nonprofit. And we also need your support now more than ever and gifts of any size um, make a huge difference. If you're an aspiring filmmaker, you're a filmmaker, you're an artist, you have amazing talents, you have presentations you'd want to share. If you or you know somebody that does, please 
send them to us. We'd love to hear about how Semester at Seas impacted your career path. And you can just email wavelengths at semesteratsea.org to be considered for a future Wavelengths series segment. Thanks so much, everyone, and have a great rest of your evening. Thanks, Bye, Scott. Bye-bye. Since 1963, Semester at Sea has given over 73,000 individuals from 1,700 academic institutions an unparalleled experience of visiting more than 60 countries across six of the seven continents. Semester at Sea serves undergraduate, gap year, and graduate students. Furthermore, the Lifelong Learner Program allows non-students to experience, explore, and learn alongside students. If you or someone you know wishes to apply or donate to this world-shifting experience, please visit semesteratc.org for more information. Our next segment today is called Myanmar Student Reflections. You'll be hearing the voices of students Camila Segovia, Angela Weinberg, and Seth Martin. Hope you enjoy. We were all very surprised. We weren't expecting what we saw, and we were all really happy to see all people smiling, and we connect really well with people, and I think something that as a group we agreed on was that it doesn't matter where we come from, we are all people, we all smile, we all fear, we all have different feelings, and that is something that unites us as humanity. Yeah, the culture is different, but we are humans after all. And we also realize how, how lucky we are to have the possibility to travel and to get to know the world. This little boy comes out from behind his mother and he starts waving to me and I make eye contact with him, he must have been six. And I started waving and then when he saw that I was waving he lit up and then he started blowing me kisses. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cute. So I start blowing him kisses back and he got so excited and then he'd hide behind his mother. And then he'd come out and he'd wave and make sure that I was still there and then blow me more kisses and then <coughs> gradually he'd get more and more like comfortable. So at this point, I was already so amazed by just like the, the city in general and then the country was just so beautiful, the, the way people would smile and wave at you no matter what. And I just started crying. I like started and I was sitting alone in my, there was such, there was a tiny group on my program, so we all could like sit in our own row. And I was sitting in my own row and I was like laughing and crying and I didn't know what to do because I had so emotions and I felt so much relief and disbelief about my situational world and their situational world and the fact that we literally come from different sides of the globe and I was able to smile and blow kisses with this little boy. <laughs> like It just blew my mind. I could feel that something inside me literally flipped a switch and I still can't describe exactly what it was what it is and what it was and how it's gonna affect me later but I actually feel different you know four months at home is such a small time nothing's really gonna like change drastically and it's like when you go back and you see that you've changed drastically it's like I really think it's gonna really affect me not necessarily in a negative way but in a way that's I'm 
different and I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna be so different. Burma flipped the switch but it's like this whole experience is just has transformed me and that seems really dramatic but the fact that I can't speak their language but we both can speak is just ugh, the humanity in the country really just blew my mind. We wake up the next morning and we call UNICEF and they don't want to talk to us. You know, at first they're like, no, you know, just, we don't usually do this kind of thing, you know, go away. And we're like, no, no, we, we need to talk to you. We've had an, we all had amazing experiences talking with locals, talking to kids, talking to parents. And we're like, we have a taxi waiting. Tell us where to go in the city. We, we want 10 minutes. And the guy's like, fine, I'll give you, you know, five, 10 minutes, come to this office. We go there and we meet with um, the <coughs> chief of education and we start talking to him, and we talk to him for an hour, and he's talking to us about all of the history of education in Myanmar, what problems they've faced, where he's hoping it's going to go. And it was this incredibly enlightening experience to be able to talk with this person who's heading up, in a lot of ways, the educational reforms that this country is experiencing. Immediately after that, after this amazing conversation, we asked him if there were any charities or local organizations we could donate the money raised. He, he gave us a suggestion and we took it. We hopped on a taxi, it's like 10.45 at this point. We're like, we got we got to do this quick, we got to do this quick. And we go to this charity, Kurama Myanmar Social Services. And there were a lot of orphans made through the typhoon that struck Myanmar. So they fund a lot of the medical services and education services for orphans in Myanmar. And we walked in and we had like 10 minutes to do this. We meet, we grabbed the director and we're like, we need to talk to you. And we told them about Semester at Sea. We told them about, about this thing we had started, inspired through everybody here. And we were able to give them $100, which is two months wage, living wage in Myanmar. This letter explaining, you know, we are from Semester at Sea. We started this thing called Ubuntu Coffee. We picked you to give this to, put this to toward good use, put this toward charity. And they were absolutely taken back. They wanted our contact information. We exchanged cards. And it was just very beautiful to be able to give that to them. And it wasn't from us. This was from everybody here, all the semester C participants that, you know, came and, you know, got a coffee just for the, just for the heck of it. It was a donation from semester at C and it was this beautiful thing. It was remarkable that, you know, we're all, regardless of our backgrounds, whether we came up from, you know, more impoverished, whether we came up very wealthy, we're, we're all incredibly well off compared to the rest of the world. And it's amazing that we can make such a difference without, without really changing much in our lives at all, just by giving a little bit. There's this beautiful quote out of a book and now a movie called Cloud Atlas, which talks about how, you know, things you do are like little drops in an ocean. And the, the reply is, well, what's an ocean, but, you know, a multitude of drops. So it was a beautiful experience and it was made possible by everybody. So, yeah, that's that story. Thank you. And that is just about it for this week's episode. To play us out today... We have a short PSA from a SAS alum and a certain well-achieved comedian that many of you just might know. 
Special thanks to all the alumni and ISE Semester at Sea supporters we heard from this week. And thank you for joining us this week. To any alumni, please reach out to the show. The content on this show is only possible with your help and your experiences. Once again, to apply, donate, or learn more, please visit semesteratsea.org. The Semester at Sea podcast will be back very soon. Thank you for listening. Until then, sailing off. Hey fellow Sassers, it's Eliza Schlesinger. I am an alum of SAS. I sailed, I sailed, I sailed the seas. Spring of 2004, and I have this bandana to show for it. Uh, I used to be a celebrity, and now I cook in my kitchen with my husband because the world has come to a screeching halt. But all is not lost. My husband, Chef Noah Galutin, and I have a show called Don't Panic Pantry. We started this show over 60 days ago. So from the onset of this pandemic, we decided to do a cooking show every day, teaching people how to cook with what they have, encouraging them to stay home, shelter in place, utilize their ingredients. And every week we give you an ingredient list, uh, encouraging people to do one big shot, not to keep going out for stuff and just cook with what you have. Um, last minute replacements are always acceptable and we always have a really good time. Chef Noah has tons of tips and fun ideas about cooking. I, as a comedian, am qualified to do very little other than watch him and make you guys laugh. You can watch the show on my Facebook Live, so facebook.com slash Eliza Schlesinger or my Instagram, Eliza S. All the episodes are saved to my IGTV, but we encourage you to watch us live every day at five o'clock Pacific Standard Time. That's right, in California, we only see us. And join the comment section, cook along, tag your dishes. Uh, you can read about us on the internet. You can watch the piece that we did on the talk. We're getting around. We're going global, like we all did when we were on the ship, which I miss very much right now. I miss going to 7-Eleven at this point, honestly. Hope to see you guys soon. I hope you guys are staying safe. Sassers for life.